Ravens players in jerseys on the field. Lamar Jackson on the field throwing passes. J.K. Dobbins less so this week on Pod Like a Raven. Mandatory mini camp in the books. Ravens players running around the first summer hype clips from the Ravens social media squadron. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I'm excited to talk summer Ravens football. And I emphasize the word summer because if you're listening to this, it's the first day of summer, uh, first of all. And second of all, summer football is a different conversation from fall football. We talk about the mini camp. We talk about the James Prochet Award winners every week. We play trivia games. We try to have fun and keep it light. Uh, And this episode will be a lot of that, plus a very fun story time from a listener of ours toward the end of the episode, so stay tuned to all that. But first, let me bring in my two co-hosts, starting on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, how are you? I'm good, Antonio. Um, You know, mandatory minicamp, uh, it kind of sneaks up on you, but it's... It is a milestone. Uh, this is our last football activity until training camps open. And then it's, you know, when that happens, it's the real thing. So, you know, we got like a month, month and a half, kind of, uh, until that gets going in full swing. But, um, yeah, it, 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 as you said, summer's just starting, but football season is fast approaching. And that uh, that's always an exciting, a kind of an exciting feeling. So, so I leave, I think, um, you know, after the, these mandatory mini camps, you read all the stories. I leave excited for the season. I, I'm even more excited than I have been because it, it kind of starts to feel real now. You, you, like I said, you see the next date on the calendars, training camp, and then it's six months of football until the Super Bowl. So, uh, what a lovely time! It's uh, you know, enjoy it now because your Sundays will be taken up uh, every single Sunday uh, sooner than later here. And on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, we're talking football, kinda. How you doing? I'm good. Um, I Again, I think I've said this a couple of times. The fact that I'm actually paying attention to the Orioles this year is kind of taken away from, like, my I need Ravens content. <laughs> um, you know, also being an adult and having a, you know, I would say social life, but it was more of a work life, kind of just flooding in and, and things happening. So I'm good. I'm excited to talk a little purple and black, but it's not it's not previous years of excitement, but I almost think that's a good thing because of everything else going on. You know what, Tim? You're right. We're going to do a minute and a half O's chat here on Pod Like a Raven. Uh, They're in second place. They're fighting hard. They'd be in first in, like, the majority of the other (laughs) divisions uh, in Major League Baseball. I think think you have an over for their wins total. That looks like they might hit that by the All-Star break. They Uh, might. So, just, you know, how many games have you been to uh, uh, down at the yard this year? Uh, I've been to three now. Yeah, I believe three, including opening day. Um, did go to the one game against the Blue Jays that they didn't absolutely smack them. We went to the middle game where they had like two hits total. Uh, my friend Matt Atencio, shout out him, was down from Boston. And that's the game we got to take him to. So that was super fun. <laughs> that's uh, how but it yeah, goes. <laughs> uh, of course, every time. Uh, but the atmosphere, man, is, is is kind of back. They're they're bringing the fun back. You've got the birdbath out in center field. You've got, you know... Even, you know, we went to a Toronto Blue Jays game, and that's a, that is a quote-unquote rival, a division opponent. And in previous years, even though they're the freaking Blue Jays from another country, you'd see more Blue Jays fans than Orioles fans. That's just simply not the case anymore. There's, there's way more orange than there is any other color in there. Um, 
I was suckered in. Nah, not suckered. I knew I was going to do it immediately into buying a Adley Rutschman City Connect <laughs> jersey. So that has been officially purchased. It's my first ever Orioles jersey with a name on the back. So big step there. That means he's gone in about three years. Um, and but, but aren't they you know, all? If they're Orioles, that is aren't true. They all? That is true. Trying to enjoy the moment as it is. The team is. You know, I've never been. I've never been a baseball guy. Like I never played baseball growing up. You know, I even. When I when I got to high school, it was rugby. It wasn't that was the spring sport that I played, and I've I've ranted about this. I'm sure to you two, maybe even on this show when we were talking about summer football, like we're doing now. <clears throat> I felt like the Orioles lost a generation of fans, our generation, where you had shout out Ryan Wormley if he's listening to this podcast. <laughs> you still had those kids who loved it and grew up and grew up with it because their parents handed it down to them, and they were they you know. Still watched Sidney Ponson and Melvin Mora and rooted so so hard for Rodrigo Lopez and you know the whole the whole gamut of uh, Miguel Tejada. I mean that's an actual good one, um, you know. And and I certainly rooted for those teams, but I didn't live and die in in the summer heat uh, with the Orioles going a hundred and or sixty two and a hundred. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> flip that. Uh, but now it's it, it, I feel like they're kind of getting those fans back at least personally they are getting me back and it's an exciting time to be a baltimore sports fan right now which is something that we don't get to say a lot it is nice just because for so long tim uh like you like i think i've said this on the show before the orioles were actually my first favorite team i like i love baseball uh growing up i love cal ripkin as my favorite player um my dad used to i would watch the beginnings of most of the games uh, and then usually have to go to bed. So my dad would, I had a little chalkboard. He would write the final score on the chalkboard every night. And usually it was a loss, but, uh, you know, they weren't that, like, they were bad, but they weren't 100 losses bad for the most part uh, when we were, you know, elementary school, middle school. But they just fell off so hard there in, like, the late 2000s. I just stopped caring, to your point. And there were so many years... I remember there was like one year they started like four and twenty or something, <laughs> like five and twenty-one, and uh, it, it, it that just felt like so often, especially if they'd get off to those horrible starts, it was already I would just turn my attention to the Ravens immediately. It'd be like the O's would just bomb out of it entirely by April, and then you're just already looking forward to training camp and that i felt part like of the was, reason i love the draft because yeah, that was my it, sports thing that was I, I felt like so many years growing up where i'd be like i should be looking forward to watching baseball this summer instead i'm just thinking and reading everything i can about the ravens uh so it is nice the draft the least. draft is in late april so the o's are already out of it <laughs> yeah yeah it's you're like yeah last week of april it's like it's ravens time and that's I felt like with so many years. So it is nice that they're finally, you know, putting a, a winning product on the field and, and an exciting team to watch. So um, I haven't admittedly watched a ton myself, but it, it's nice to just not uh, have a 110 lost team. <laughs> last last thing on that, because there is the one downer there outside of being owned by the Angelos family who are just a disgrace to the entire <laughs> city, state, um, and, and every Orioles fan known to mankind. Um yeah, I, I can't watch the games anymore. So I was basically getting it through. <clears throat> here's, a, here's a fun thing, right? And, and I promise we'll get off of this because some of you were like, I only care about the Ravens. Please stop talking about this. And you're really not going to care about this part. Most people are cord cutters nowadays. Even live sports people like myself who watch live sports all the time are cord cutters. You get a... 
cable and or satellite substitute. You get a YouTube TV, you get a Hulu Live, a Fubo TV, something that is essentially cheaper version and it's streaming. It's on the internet. Now, baseball, I believe, is kind of slow to this anyway. You can get basically their Sunday ticket package, which is, I believe, MLB TV, but it blacks out local games. So you can't even watch the Orioles. Like, Jace Evans over there in in the sunny state of California could, you know, might be worth it for him if he wanted to watch Orioles games. Clearly, he hasn't bought it, but, you know, it's a thing that he could be doing. But you can't watch it if you're in the local market. So that's kind of like, all right, well, I would actually pay the enormous amount of money to do this. Well, is it streaming anywhere? Is there like a streaming Masson? Oh, in their infinite wisdom, also part of the Angelos thing, last year decided to have a Masson app. The app is terrible. It shuts down all the time. It constantly crashes. And here's the kicker. You have to have a cable and or satellite subscription to stream it. You cannot be a cord cutter, a person who watches everything via streaming, and watch the Orioles on streaming. You have to have cable and or satellite in some way, shape, or form. My parents did for a long time, and I would basically just use their login to watch it on the Masson app. Masson app does not work on my TV, by the way. It works on my bedroom TV. It doesn't work on my living room TV. Sometimes works on my computer, and almost every time works on my iPad. So that is where I would usually have to watch the games while doing other things. But now they decided they've finally joined the cord-cutting community. They now have YouTube TV, and I can no longer watch the Orioles. Even though they have a streaming service that you cannot access unless you have cable or or, or uh, satellite, so the Orioles continue to Orioles in some way, shape, or form. And uh, now, yeah, we basically just follow them on Twitter and and <laughs> go over to my parents. Who guess what? And shout out to them. We went over Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all those out there. They were listening on the radio, just inside <laughs> listening on the radio. And I was That's like, this cool. is. I, I'm I'm going to start doing this. This is legit. And it's probably a better. Uh auditory experience than uh, I would say so Masson gives you we sometimes at least sometimes um I love Jace I love the chalkboard thing I love that uh the little wake up and see what the score was did you play any any little league Jace what position did you play if you did uh I was in the outfield a lot just because I wasn't very good <laughs> um you know sure. kind of ended up wherever some teams were better than others sometimes you know you're the the, the they usually did it by like Every two years was like a level. So sometimes you were the older kid, so they'd put you at second base. So I jumped around. Some third base in there. Sometimes Ooh, the hot corner. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes second base. A lot of outfield. <laughs> Wasn't very good. Had some fun, though. So, you know, it was a good time. Nice. Uh, I was uh, left-handed. So wh- whatever position left-handed people were able to play. Not the infield, usually. That's where you found it. Well, a little first base. A little oh, first yeah. base sometimes. A little, uh, little catcher sometimes. Uh, I blame the catching on the just the knee problems that I have now. The like two and a half years of catching as a twelve year old. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the O's forty four and twenty seven. Kind of have an important series in June uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays coming up, and and that was talking Orioles uh, on pod like a Raven. Uh, boy, if we did like random Orioles, we'd never run out of names, never run out of dudes, never run out of uh, opportunities. But we're gonna talk Ravens. We're going to get back now to minicamp, a couple of talking points with this. Um, First of all, how nice is it to have a relatively quiet minicamp? Just little notes, Zay Flowers looks good, great, and I'll wait to see it. OBJ doing the one-handed catches in practice, Lamar Jackson, you know, 
being there. Uh, Gus Boss working over on the side. You got Bateman, who's not practicing. Just your nice, quiet, regular minicamp. Um, and it's and it's enjoyable. And I like seeing the little things that come out and not every three hours about Lamar Jackson not being signed and being a gigantic question mark for this team. <laughs> Just the boring stuff. I, I want that all summer long. Yeah, it, it's it's so nice that like our Lamar our Lamar articles now are like, here's how him and Todd Munkin are working together. And you're like, everyone's, you know, doing coach speak. Everyone's saying we're on the same page. Obviously, we have no evidence of if Todd Munkin will work at this point, but they're all saying the right stuff. But to your point, Antonio, it's nice that that's the conversation. We're just talking about like, how is Todd Munkin implementing his new offense and not... They need to sign Lamar, and, you know, I mean, we'll get into it in a moment, but, like, having Lamar signed just makes every other concern I feel like I have about the team. I just, I'm hand-waving it away, because I'm saying, doesn't matter, Lamar under contract, (laughs) we'll figure it out. It is such a good feeling, and just nice to, like, for this to not be a conversation for, you know, two, three, four more years. Um, It's great, Uh, and, and it has, I think it's, it's led to a quieter offseason, certainly a less angsty offseason for me, and uh, it's been nice. We'll get into it. There are some negatives. You, you slipped in Rashad Bateman. I have some thoughts. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, like the Lamar side of things, it is nice that, like, yeah, just implementing uh, their offense is a big storyline. And I thought, like, Jeff Zarebic had a nice – it's like Marlon Humphrey gave a message to the team. Like, it's it's very boring for the most part over there uh, at the castle with a few notable exceptions, I would say. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple exceptions, but the fact that the exceptions are not your former MVP quarterback <laughs> who looked like every waking hour it was more and more likely that he was going to leave and they were going to botch this on both sides, and that's done. You know, the the most controversial thing that Lamar has said since he signed is that he wants to throw for 6,000 yards. Like, that's it. And I'm cool with it. Like, sure, I mean, it's not going to happen, but cool. Like, yeah, why not? Uh, Todd Munkin's being, like, super vocal uh, in practices, apparently. He wants to speed up the offense, which here's an incredible stat. Yeah. Here's an incredible stat. Greg Roman famously said, we want to get medieval on teams, which, you, you know, they weren't the fastest adapting people in those times. Um, apparently, and this, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I was listening to the NFL, uh, the ringer NFL show with Nora Princiati and Steven Ruiz this morning. And they were talking about the AFC North. So that's why I was like, I got to listen to this before pilot Raven thing. They're talking about how Todd Munkin, you know, he's all the reports from Zarebeck, Jamison Hensley of ESPN, what have you, are that he's being very vocal, not in like a screamy loud way, but you know, trying to be energetic and hype the guys up and really really try and implement a new sort of ethos and identity for this offense which again it could all it's all great and then you know it's going to take a month to for this offense to adjust because that's what's going to happen and everybody's going to lose lose their s in week two when they don't throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns hey, what are we doing run the run the damn ball come on i'll probably be one of those people too don't worry <laughs> but i like that um they had this stat that the Ravens ran – it was the fourth slowest offense in the league. They ran a play every 41.8 seconds. The play clock is 40 seconds. <laughs> Remember all the delays of game that we complained about? 
Ding, 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 ding. I wonder how you fix that. Maybe run run plays every 25 seconds, maybe. You know, maybe sometimes every 15. Really try and catch the defense off guard. It's 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 been fun to have certainty in the fact of Lamar and relatively healthy and, you know, everybody's there pretty pretty much. You know, all the big, big, big names, all the important names are there. Um, still getting used to the zero on Roquan, but it's growing on me. Not going to buy the jersey, but it's growing on me. Um, and the uncertainty on the other side of a whole new offense that could be pretty special if everything turns out. I'm just, it's just so exciting, too, because, like, it's all, like, I want to see it, obviously, as we said. Who knows? Um, and especially that week one, they play the Texans. So, like, I'm sure they'll look great and blow them out. And everyone will be like, it's a new era. And then they'll bog down in week two. Who I forget who they play. But it's certainly a harder team than the Texans. <laughs> but, uh, like, all the things we've always complained, like you said, complained about with Roman. And, like, Lamar, we always, I think, have talked on this show seem to play really well in a hurry-up kind of mode. He's a smart guy. He's a smart football player. And it seems like like if the, it seems like they're empowering him to be more vocal and, and take kind of more charge. And it's just exciting because, you know, I think we all think Lamar was great, but I was going to be so heartbroken um, if he actually left and we just never saw what he could be with a different offensive coordinator. And yeah. now we will. And that's going to make this season really exciting, you know, Maybe the Ravens don't win the Super Bowl. I don't want to do spoilers this far out. I'm not going to pick them as far as, as long as Patrick Mahomes is at the AFC, probably. But uh, they have a really good team, and it'll be exciting to see what it is. It's something new. We haven't had new since 2019, really. They just kind of kept running it back to worse and worse and worse results <laughs> the, on offense the past few years. Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. And, and, um, and as far as that goes... It, I've been excited to what you read about the Munkin era. Um, and yeah, I'm just kind of looking forward to seeing more of it. And hopefully it translates to a, a more exciting product, uh, or at least a return to excitement. Because, you know, not to praise Greg Roman, 2019 was great. It was awesome. It was super fun, but it grew stale. And so it was time for something new. And now we have it. Yeah, I love this idea of almost not getting to see Lamar without just a fresh idea offensively, but we do get to see it. And if I had to, I don't know, put it in percentages, to me there's like a 5% chance that this offense gets worse (laughs) and a 95%, let's say, I don't know, an 80% chance that it gets better and then a little bit that it stays the same. 15%, I think I got to 100 there, Uh, 15% (laughs) that it stays exactly the same in in terms of productivity. So... Yeah, let's see something uh, something different with this. Let's talk about some things that stood out from from this week that that came. Um, we'll maybe we'll save J- save J.K. for the end, but positives or negatives or interesting names that you've seen uh, fly around, guys who are taking opportunities, guys who are not taking opportunities, um, and things that you paid attention to in the past week or so. Yeah, I've got. I think I've got three. Uh, takeaways ish outside of your OBJs being there and and Zay apparently Zay had some drops but that was also a worry in college guys so don't nobody freak out his route no no Ravens first round receiver has ever had the route running ability that Zay Flowers has shown in minicamp I love the line but it ain't saying much um and <laughs> but outside of all that I want to start 
I'll start positive. I'll start positive. One name that apparently has popped, and again, we are not privy to watching these practices. They are not live-streamed. We are simply reading what the journalists have to say and kind of reporting based on, or, you know, speculating based on what they are reporting. Excuse me. Apparently, David Ajabo looks great. Um, that's really cool. I get that him and Adafi Owe were high school teammates, and uh, that whole thing is great, and, you know, you could have them both coming off the edge, and... We'll see about Owe. I don't want to talk about him right now. We've, we've had that discussion before. Ajabo apparently looks incredible. You know, this all comes from Jeff Zarebeck's piece of kind of his ups and downs here. Uh, quote, he practiced with great energy and effort. His speed and explosiveness were on display, and he gave Ravens offensive tackles fits at time. He has a lot to learn, and it's wise to wait until the pads go on before getting too excited about pass rushers, which is obviously very, very true. They can't really tell in minicamp, but... He looks like a different player than he did last year when he started practicing in November. And remember, he's essentially a rookie. He played 21 defensive snaps last year uh, because of the injury. And I think, you know, we'll get to it as we get closer in the season. That guy is an underrated, like, important, important piece. Especially if they don't bring back a Justin Houston or a veteran pass rusher type. If they really believe in a Jabo and he turns out... Takes a lot of pressure off of Dafe Owe, by the way, who was mentioned, we should mention, was in Zarebek's honorable mention of people that have performed really well in camp. But, you know, if, if, if Ajabo can come up and kind of be the premier guy, takes a lot of pressure off Owe to be that secondary rusher, and now we're not all like, why doesn't he have 15 sacks? Like, oh, he's got eight. That works because Ajabo's terrorizing people off the edge. So that's... That's my first one. I don't know. Do we want to go, let's go one, one, one. So I'm not just talking here. Jace, what is your, what is your next one here? Well, Antonio mentioned him, and I think it's the pretty much the biggest non-JK story in camp. It's Rashad Bateman didn't practice, got a cortisone shot, I guess for his foot at some point. That seems bad. Uh, this is a guy who's you know he played more than you think his rookie year, but he, he got off to the slow start because he missed the beginning of the season. And then he, what, played five games last year, right? Missed the whole rest of the year. It's just uh, it's just frustrating because the flashes we've seen, he is a good player. And um, this kind of goes hand-in-hand. One guy Jeff Zerebic mentioned stood out was Nelson Aguilar, uh, kind of the forgotten man of all the signings the Ravens made when they made him when everyone kind of clowned on the signing because it was pre-OBJ, it was pre-drafting Zay Flowers, it was pre-re-signing Lamar Jackson. Um and it seems like they're going to need a guy like him if a guy like Rashad Bateman isn't going to be healthy. Now, they think he's going to be healthy for training camp, but I don't know. I don't think it's great that he missed <laughs> their three very light work mandatory days in June. Like, it wasn't like they were doing all that much out there, and he still couldn't go. So that – I just – I have my guard up, and it stinks, and, you know, I thought he – was way worse, but a guy like Brashad Perryman was waylaid by injuries as well. Um, I don't think he was ever as good as Rashad Bateman has shown, um, but you worry about it. You worry about the path he's on. If it's just, if it's three straight, basically three straight years of injuries, it's just not good. And it's increasingly like looking like, you know, they had to kind of draft Zay Flowers if this guy just can't stay on the field. And it's one of those things, too, people want to keep talking about, you know, and, and I, just to reference it, because I, I, I disagreed with the point, too, but this could is an interesting thing. Nora Princiati from The Ringer this morning mentioned, like, 
you know, everybody's talking about how the Ravens wide receiver room has improved, but I think they're underselling how much has it improved. And I disagree with that because I think it's the only thing people are talking about in the local media anyway. So maybe I'm just more tied into it. But two, we and we've talked about this. I believe we talked about it last episode. Odell Beckham Jr. coming off of injury, you know, didn't play all of last year. Older player, going to have to get back up to game speed. And then Rashad Bateman. Now look. Rashad Bateman's one of those players that subtweeted the whole training staff and strength staff, which got a really bad grade on these NFLPA grading system thing we talked about earlier uh, in the year. And, you know, I get that this is a kind of a carryover from that and that you hope he comes back healthy, but it's absolutely a concern. Like, look, let's let's say that OBJ should be is is fully healthy by all, you know, by all accounts. But let's say it takes him a little bit to ramp up as it does this offense. Let's say Rashad Bateman is not fully healthy going to that Texans game. Then you're talking about rookies A. Flowers and Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVarnay as your three wide receivers going in. And OBJ limited whatever. This, and this is, again, this is kind of worst case scenario here at the moment. He knocks on wood. I, I just worry about this kind of being a little bit of a house of cards with this, with this position group of... Everybody just all of a sudden thinks, like, it's going to be fantastic. And uh, I, I see the cracks a little bit and call it pessimism, and you can absolutely do that. But I'm, I'm not ready to be like, well, this is the high-flying Ravens now. Strap in. It's, it's you know, Baltimore Chiefs over here. Like, I just don't, I don't see it. Right. From the front office perspective, from the team-building perspective, they did just about everything they could to make their worst position group as good as possible they did the middle ground thing they did the drafting thing they did the big name thing and they're expecting to get somebody back all these players of question marks (laughs) uh who knows zay flowers boy you love you love hearing the drops uh paired with (laughs) paired with the rebuttal to that of oh he also had drops in college so don't, don't worry about it this isn't something new this is something that's existed so that'll be good He'll run the amazingly clean route and then have the ball Hollywood Brown off his hands and we'll get very annoyed very, very quickly. But yeah, there's question marks at all these at all these spots. And until it is week one and they are all active and healthy, uh, we're not going to feel any better about it. I'll, I'll say a name uh, as we're going sort of name by name here. And I have no reason to bring it up, but that's why I'm bringing it up. It's Isaiah Likely. Uh, have heard very little about him. He's not a rookie anymore. Uh, he had that sort of, he looks amazing last year uh, out of the preseason. Played pretty well in, in spurts as a rookie. Had a rookie year as a tight end. Had a second tight end as a rookie season. Perfect. I don't mind, <laughs> you know. This year, second year, a lot quieter. He's probably barely going to play in the preseason games, which we like to see. And remember, he was the preseason star last year, too. Yeah, he's going to be healthy. Just nobody's going to be talking about him because it's all Odell Beckham Jr. and it's all Flowers and it's all Bateman. And then Andrews is going to get his little talk. And as Isaiah Likely may just kind of stroll on in and have himself an awesome second year. And if any of these guys get hurt, he's going to be there for opportunities. There's only one ball, uh, as we have already heard mentioned. But... um, I'm optimistic that that he ends up on the right side of that this year with so fewer 
expectations, I guess, so much less buzz. But he's the same player who, who looks like he's got a lot of skills and a lot of ability. And what's the one thing that we've talked about with um, Todd Munkin is that his flexibility in his offensive schemes. He is not Greg Roman where it's like I've got the one thing and it works for a while and then people figure it out. He has done he's done air raid. He's done ground and pound. And at Georgia, where he was most recently, you know what he did? Threw it to his two massive tight ends, Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington obviously fell to like the third round and unfortunately to the Pittsburgh Steelers um, because he's going to be a a monster. And then Brock Bowers, by all accounts, is going to be, for a tight end, like at least a mid-first-round pick, if not higher. He's like the next guy, uh, and he dominated for Georgia. So he can do that too. So Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, over the middle of the field where Lamar Jackson likes to throw in an offense that Todd Munkin already kind of knows how to run. I I love it. I'll go for a guy that might be in the middle of the field, except (laughs) no, he won't be. We will not be giving the James Prochet award to James Prochet this year. I think the, the bit is finally up with James Prochet, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think, and again, I take this from, it looked like he had uh, last Wednesday, this is again according to Jeff Zerebeck, Prochet was showing frustration, spiking a water bottle, bottle and retreating to the sideline. He, was, he made catches, but his consistency wasn't very good. He didn't make the big play. Remember all the mini camps since he's been in this league and all the training camps since he's been in this league. Oh, look out for this six-round pick out of SMU. This James Prochet turned a lot of eyes. You got to see what happens. And then just has like, you know, a catch and a half in the National Football League that season during the regular season. It looks like the jig is up. You know, you never want to wish for a man's career to be over or anything. I would never say that. But I think, I don't think we have to talk about James Prochet again. And negative for him, this sounds mean, personally, positive for me. Outside of the James Prochet Award, Tim, going to other of course, players. Of course, of okay. course. I just wanted to make he sure will, we weren't will, uh, retiring the, uh, the no, trophy no, no, itself. No, 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 He will always be enshrined for that, and we'll, we'll bring that up as, as training camp closes for sure. But yeah, the, the James Prochet Award, we will lo- <laughs> he will long live in the memory for the award, but not for his contributions on the field in football that actually matters. <laughs> It does just seem it, it's it's time. I know we just literally talked about how maybe our wide receiver room isn't quite as as loaded as you think. But he's I, still like six or seven. Yeah, I like, still yeah. think he should not be part of it. I I think it's just time for both player and team to go their separate ways. And you know, I'm sure he'll find success because that's how these things go with the Ravens. But um, uh, I guess one that sort of steal still steal one of your guys, Tim, because uh, we need to talk about him. Uh, not great at pronouncing his name. I'm going to give it a whirl here. Malasala Amave Laula? Laula? I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, the guy who we took in, I believe, the sixth round, who everyone said, like, yeah, he's a project, and he just might be our week one starter at left guard. Um, (laughs) that seems to have been a development, uh... Recently, um, but you mentioned it here, Tim, and, and I think it speaks more to um, less on him and more about Ben Cleveland, the guy we have long thought, I think, to be one of our starting guards of the future. And the fact that this rookie out of Oregon, who everyone was like when they drafted him, I believe he was the guy we talked about literally the least in our draft recap show. Because every, yeah. every Ravens, like analyst was like, yeah, depth pick. Like, everyone was more excited about Andrew Voorhees, the guy who tore his, the USC lineman who was really standout, tore his ACL. We'll see him next year. Um, 
everyone was more excited about him than this guy, and yet he seems like he's shining. And more importantly, it seems like Cleveland and other guys are not seizing the spot, and it might allow this rookie lineman to kind of at least have a shot at a starting job. Yeah, so again, according to, like looking at the reports from ESPN and The Athletic, it looks like he's still not going to be the starter at left guard, or not, not at the favorite, I should say, going right. into camp. But what the Ravens like to do is they like to give these guys who might have a shot, give them first-team reps, especially in a unit like an offensive line that has to work as a unit. Like, you all got to be stepping the same way. You all got to be figuring out who's blocking who. Like, you can't – if one guy screws up, the whole thing falls apart. And that, that is not – I don't think there is a – maybe the secondary as well where it's kind of the same thing. Like, you, everybody's got to be on their P's and Q's, um, not Patrick Queen. In, in this system here, and I'm of MAL is been doing just just because so we don't have to pause the podcast every ten seconds to try and figure out the name. Uh, MAL out of Oregon, you know, this is again kind of a scouting report. He's six six, three hundred and twenty two pounds. He played guard. He played a lot of tackle. He didn't really play on the left side at Oregon. He played more on the right side as well, but. He has the athleticism. He's a no-nonsense type of player. Just put the helmet on and hit somebody. Sounds like my kind of dude. Um, and they gave him reps in the first-team unit to see how he gels with that unit. And he performed well. Kevin Zeitler was one of the guys, the right guard, who spoke in camp. And it said, seemed like he fit right in. He was he was on the ball. He knew what he was doing. When he didn't, he was asking the right questions. He, Zeitler was, and you're not going to say, he's not going to skewer the guy in minicamp, but he was, you know, he was praising him a lot for, for a rookie sixth round pick. You know, John Harbaugh said that when they get to camp, he's going to be in the mix. And off of this too, because yeah, this is one of the guys I wanted to talk about off of this too, with the Ben Cleveland stuff, who is the guy that we've kept giving opportunities to. And I think he's more concerned with fishing than he is playing football is Apparently, they've been moving him around a lot in camp, which is not good for his starting role. Like uh, that, that screams of a Patrick McCarry, who McCarry, valuable piece because you can kind of plug him in where you need to. If you need him at right tackle, you put him in at right tackle. If, if you need not, not center, he can't snap the damn ball. But if you need him to fill in for a guard spot for a couple of plays, he can do that. Maybe they're thinking Cleveland is like a swing guard. I don't think he can play tackle, he's just too big. But it it shows, you know, the Ravens won't speak it, especially at this point in the year, but their actions speak a lot to who they think kind of deserves an opportunity to fill that spot left by Ben Powers, uh, who signed with Denver this offseason. And look, that offensive line is solid right now. Left guard is the only big, big issue. Ronnie Stanley is finally healthy. Morgan Moses is a solid right tackle. Kevin Zeitler. More than solid right guard, and Tyler Linderbaum is already up there as one of the best centers in the league coming into his second season. That left guard spot needs to be filled by somebody that's at least competent, and Amave Lau looks like he's doing the job. And, like, you know, all, all signs are encouraging. Another position group, just like a Jabo, it's hard to tell when he doesn't have the pads on, when, when you know, big when the Eagles come to town or whatever, and Jordan Davis and uh, Jalen Carter are standing right over you. How are you going to react then? You have to see. But I think as of right now, things are looking pretty good for a guy that I didn't think we'd be talking about at all this season. I love this so much. The Ravens have single digit and count them on one hand holes on this roster. And this is 
one of them, one of the three uh, biggest holes in terms of starter, maybe even the biggest hole in terms of starting caliber player. And we have a couple of guys that have played there that have some spot starts, but to see another name come all the way to the top, get a little competition between players and camp, I'm very into it. I would love to see it Um, and just have an answer and have that solved for a couple of years uh, and not have to do the, well, who's available in late August, what veterans, you know, are just available to, to plug and play, uh, in that spot, because you would like to get some cohesion with the new offensive coordinator, uh, as they get going into August, into September. Okay, but enough positive. Let's get to, uh, the big, the big negative, the big hole. It's in the backfield. It's J.K. Dobbins, not present for the mini camp. Some question marks about whether he didn't want to be there whether he wasn't there for health reasons we got more uh social media stuff going on he's he's very unhappy but maybe he's not unhappy and he's just trying to take it slow um i have argued privately with the fellas that that jk dobbins has essentially been his worst influence since he was drafted it's probably not all his fault it's probably his little circle probably his agent but I feel like every public thing that has come out about him has n- not been in his own interests from wanting more carries to wanting to be paid to saying he's healthier than he really is. I don't know where he expects to go, where he's going to have the same carries that he has on the team that runs the ball more than any other team in the National Football League that specifically wants to have multiple starting caliber backs on one roster because that's how they've run for five years. I, I'm confused by it. I don't like it. I'm not concerned about it because guess what? They will find somebody else to rush for 800 yards. I I get it. The yards per carry are impressive over very small sample sizes. Hasn't done it for one season. One season. Hasn't happened yet. Uh, I'm confused by the posturing from somebody who has, at this point, zero track record outside of part-time back in the NFL in the position that is the most replaceable of any offense or defense. I don't like it. I don't get it. Um, and I don't want it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what I'm, do you guys think? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Like, if if I'm J.K. Dobbins and I'm J.K. Dobbins' agent, by, by all accounts, you know, is a lunatic. It just... <laughs> In, in terms of, like, maybe just get your guy, like, in the best situation for him, and then maybe somebody will pay him what they think right now. I, I would love to look at the, and I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not going to, you know, make everybody pause to find it, but just the starting NFL running backs in the National Football League right now. But I'll put it this way. I've been kind of listening to some fantasy football podcasts, right, and, like, trying to start to get prepped a little bit, it's, you know, it, Fun. I, there's a couple that I find entertaining, so I like to listen to them. And they did like a running backs episode, and they're listing the running backs that are viable in fantasy. Now I understand these are two different things, but it's like they're talking about like Tony Pollard being like one of the top fantasy backs this year, and like the names just aren't there anymore because it's just such a replaceable position. And look, I get it for the guys that want to get paid and and maybe are trying to hold out for a standard. Lamar Jackson just did it. hold out is kind of the wrong word but you know what I mean like kind of held out for that contract 
to to get that most amount of money in NFL history, yada yada yada. It finally comes due. Thank you, Jalen Hurts. Um, and I think some of these running backs are doing that too, but they're the only people that realize that the position is dead monetarily. And that sucks. I love running the football. I, I I feel bad for guys that have worked their whole career to get to this point and now are sitting here and Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and then throw in Saquon Barkley, who is on the franchise tag right now. Josh Jacobs also looking for a deal, who I believe led the league in rushing last year. It was just incredible. That's six guys that resume-wise are worlds better than J.K. Dobbins. Worlds better, resume-wise. Because as Antonio said, as much as J.K. wants to moan and complain that it's they're not giving him the ball enough, it might have been your rookie year. Yeah, we could all sit here and be like, yeah, maybe they were trying to ease him. But it's the Ravens. It's what they do. Since then, you haven't been available. So I don't know what you want from, from this team. And if you're going to sit there and whine and moan and complain about it and have your agent in your ear and have, you know, apparently he's friends with Saquon Barkley. He's clearly aware of the Ezekiel Elliott um, uh, situation, both of them being Ohio State running backs and very prominent Ohio State running backs. I'm sure that there's some sort of connection there as well. Uh, he shares an agent with Dalvin Cook. So, look, these are all yeah, – Zach Hiller, by the way. Bim went uh, – just, just – <laughs> I'm sure he's very smart. This is kind of hyperbole, guys. But it's just it's it's an incredibly annoying to me that I would have an agent blasting my team. Like if that was my agent and I was a that football player, I'd just be like, please shut up, please shut up. I I this is not the way to get more money because you're gonna piss everybody off. I just I'm with you, Antonio. I I don't like it, and there's not a ton to do about it. I think J.K. is an incredible player. I think he could be a soup an absolute difference maker on this team when healthy. I'm excited to see how Todd Munkin for everybody just going, oh, we're just going to pass the ball all the time. I don't think that's necessarily the case, and I would, lo- I can't wait to see how he uses the running backs. Maybe he uses them more as check down options and uses them more in screen games and stuff, which J.K. is great at. But if you're just going to sit here like a petulant child and continue to do this before you have proved anything, anything in this league – I understand that you're trying to make your money for your family, and, and and I will never, you know, disparage somebody for doing that. But man, this is not the way to go about it. And I think it's just some of these guys, and maybe they're holding out for deals, and maybe they're holding out to the point where they're like, "Well, hell, it's not there," and I'll try to just go to the best situation possible, what have you. But and I, and I see the argument about people saying that maybe running backs are undervalued now, what have you. There's just been a whole big debate this off season, but. Like, look at all the evidence. Just look at the evidence of the guys that are available and the deals that these guys are getting. And you're in an incredible situation to come into camp, put your head down, be the most dynamic player on the field outside of Lamar Jackson, which I think he has the capability of being in this offense, and then get paid. Don't squander that. Like, nobody's going to fault him for leaving after a year. If he comes out, balls out, they, they do very well, and he leaves and... Some idiot team pays him, but I, I was literally like- about to ask you that, Tim. If you're the front office or a fan, and he rushes for 1,200 yards this season with 10 touchdowns, do you want them to sign him to a big long-term deal? As absolutely the not, absolutely no. not. 
So what do you worry? Like, what do you? Why? Why com- sort of complain about it now? Go ball out, and then what, some. Let the chips fall. Like, let somebody do this, and they will. Somebody will do something. It's not going to be a f- six-year, eighty million dollar contract, but you'll find something. But like the pre. I don't know, groveling to the team that you're currently under your rookie deal on is nonsensical to me. Nonsensical. Before the season happens, before you can play this out and just and see what happens with a, with a strong year. It's frustrating. Yeah, I think that's the best move is to just play. It, like like Tim said, it stinks that these guys don't get paid. And I, you know, I don't know what the solution is to that, really. Don't play running back. That's the solution now. But, um, uh, you know, it, it, it is weird. Like, you look at all these guys that, like, aren't getting deals, right? And don't have deals. And then um, JK, like, yeah, he like, his plan is to, like, oh, I'm going to get a deal by, like, annoying my current employers. Like, here's what we know about John Harbaugh. He hates players that don't conform. <laughs> I think we've been around long enough to know that. Uh, and by all accounts, if you if you work work your butt off, you will be rewarded. And they will kind of either let you go to get rewarded or reward you themselves if they think you're a valuable ass. Look at Roquan Smith. Not a position you play. They made him the highest paid in, uh, off-ball linebacker in the league because they value what he brings. Well, as Jeff Zarebic mentioned in his piece on the stock up, stock down, Justice Hill, guy tore his Achilles, <laughs> one of the hardest workers on the team, not that great a running back. He's fine. They've re-signed him because they love what he brings. He plays special teams. He tries hard, all that. And that was just what was so confusing, too, this week, uh, sort of, you know, with with the messaging uh, of, <laughs> of Dobbins. Um Clearly, there's a disconnect. I mean, this was a... Uh, you mentioned, Antonio, that he wasn't there. He was there. He was at the facility. He just wasn't on the field. And there seems to be debate if he was doing a hold-in or if he is injured. Seems like it was kind of a hold-in and the team's just using an injury as a way to uh, obscure that fact, to not throw him under the bus. But, I mean, I think the Harbaugh and Munkin quotes here, I just want to run through them real quick. Uh, I think they kind of paint the picture of what's going on here. Here's what uh, Harbaugh said. I believe this was uh, Wednesday after Wednesday's practice, I think, uh, or maybe after Thursday's, but uh, or whatever their final day was. But he said, I expected him to practice, but it wasn't in the cards. <laughs> and then uh, Todd Munkin uh, had said the day before that he urged Dobbins to, quote, give me something, run in a swing route. I don't care. Just don't jog down the field. Do something. Give me something to get excited about. So, I don't know. That, uh, you know, uh, I don't, it doesn't seem, it's a, how, how much, how hurt he was with this soft tissue injury uh, was weird. And then there, there seemed to be some telephone uh, where Jameson Hensley had reported that Dobbins told Mark Viviano, I believe, that he, he was doing a hold in. And then Dobbins said, I never said that, which was true. He never did say that, but he said, you know. This is a hard business, man. It's just very confusing and weird, and I agree with what, everything you guys have said. It's a lot of drama for a guy. I think we know is we know two things. He's very good, and also the Ravens aren't going to give him this contract. Not after they just paid Lamar Jackson. That's the guy who gets the money. You're a running back. It sucks. You're not getting the money. Gus Edwards took a pay cut to stay here, <laughs> and like you know, I just it stinks. It stinks for running backs. I do feel bad, and it, it's weird because you know growing up. 
running back is basically your best athlete on the field. That's why they're running backs. They get the ball every play because a kid like children can't throw the ball at like the middle school and high school level. So that's why all your best players are always running backs. Um, and uh, yeah, it stinks. And so I know JK's a great football player. Uh, he's just not going to get paid, and I don't see how, if he is holding in, which certainly seems to be like what he did, he showed up and didn't practice. I don't see how that benefits anyone, because like you said, Antonio, like, his path to getting paid is to have a 12 to 1400-yard rushing season, where he just makes himself either indispensable to the Ravens, and they say, you know, this guy's annoying, but we have to deal with him because he's that good, or a team that, you know, someone will sign him. Like, maybe, yeah, the days of, I think, massive running back contracts have gone by, but he'll still get, like, you know, $10 million, $15 million, maybe up to $20 million. It's out there. Um, but, yeah, it just seems like he's, you guys have nailed it. He, he, it feels like he's just taking, like, the route to, like, somehow make the most people mad and also not make him <laughs> really any extra money. Like, it just seems like, like, where the running back position is today it stinks but if he came in put his head down learned the offense got on got in the good graces of a coach who you know john harbaugh has been here a long time he has a lot of say on what goes on in the ravens organization seems like you'd want to get on his good side if you actually want to stay in baltimore like he kind of alluded to but uh, i don't know i don't see him on the team next year i hope he has a great season but it's it's just it's always it's always something with this guy, <laughs> and it's just very frustrating for uh, to you know because it was always something with Ed Reed too. Uh, we should say we've had players no, on the Ravens no, who have always no, had stuff what? going on. No. no, no, it was Ed always no. had some complaint about his contract or something, but he was Ed Reed. He was the greatest safety of all time, so you could excuse all his you know things he would just weird his weird happenings and comings and goings and all, all all that kind of stuff all his contract complaints you could put all that aside when you perform we haven't seen it from jk uh at least to the level of the the amount of noise he made is not equal to the amount of production he has had for the team so you know put it put it on the field and maybe you'll get your contract uh, summer summer football conversations. J.K. Dobbins and Ed Reed. Uh, <laughs> let's embrace like let's embrace other. debate. <laughs> uh, speaking of summer uh, summer football, everybody's in in sort of summer mode still. I, I pulled up the Ravens depth chart on ESPN just to look at players on it. Nelson Aguilar, running back one. That's what's listed right now for the Ravens on the depth chart. So uh, you know some work to do for everybody uh, as we get through the summer. Uh, into September. That's going to do it Time for Ravens news. <laughs> or or is there something we don't know uh, about Nelson Aguilar? Um, it is time for our trivia game, and then we'll get on some, some light NFL news. Uh, and I'm up this week for our, uh, our new game that we've been playing for a little bit. I'm going to run through some uh, clues, one at a time. My two co-hosts have to jump in to see if they can guess... The player slash box score. What what game was this from with this player? Uh, if you guess incorrectly, you were not allowed to guess again. And the earlier you guess, the more points you get. We have played this six times. I have four points. Tim has two points. Jace has nine. Tim, an opportunity for really for you and me here. So uh, I think this is a fun one. Um, 
This is we, not an opportunity all... for me. I'm playing Jace. <laughs> we know how this is going to go, but it's fine. Jace, go, go on mute for a couple minutes, <laughs> and, then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll play. All right, so clue number one, worth five points. This player's stat line of 14 carries, 107 yards, and two touchdowns, while impressive, was underappreciated at the time due to another player's dominant performance in the same game. Clue number two. This game was this player's debut performance for the Baltimore Ravens. Crickets, I will go to clue number three. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This player, who is still active, recently returned to the team where he made his name and played ten games for them last year in the 2022 season. So he played... Oh, we have. I'm not. I'm, no more explaining. Tim. That's Tim fine. is buzzed in. At clue number three, worth three points. I should Tim have Morsey, who clarified you... that I only need to name the player here, right? Yes. 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 Is this Mark Ingram? This is Mark Ingram. That is correct. Three points for Tim Horsey, and this game has officially gotten fiery. Nine to five to four. It is Mark Ingram. Week one, 2019, against Los Miami Dolphins. 14 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. But who was talking about Mark Ingram's performance that day? Very few people, because Lamar Jackson had just thrown five touchdowns uh, in their the best game, maybe, in Ravens history. I don't care about postseason. I don't care about Super Bowls. The famous blowout of the Miami Dolphins in Week 1 of 2019. It is Mark Ingram. Well done, Tim. Uh, my last two clues, just to go through them. This former New Orleans Saint would end 2019 with 1,000 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. And the final one, he is perhaps best known from the Ravens' perspective for starting, quote-unquote, big trust during the Ravens' 14-2 and two season. Good. I was hoping that was in there somewhere. Uh, fantastic legacy for Mark Ingram in a short amount of time with the Ravens. Uh, uh, I was just thinking way too, uh, players way too long ago. I was like, I'm like, thinking of like, you know, Chester Taylor, like, uh, Willis McGahey, Ray Rice. I, I, I was just, I was, I was in the 2000s. I, I was in recent enough. I was in Justin Forsett land until, <laughs> until he mentioned still active. And then that was, that was the case. Well, that's what threw me for a loop. I was like, <laughs> it was perfect. Cause we've been talking running backs. We've been referencing 2019 a few, few different times in this episode. Uh, so for J.K. Dobbins, who I know is listening to us, being a running back is very, very hard. Mark Ingram played sparingly his first, I don't know, three years, then became an established back in years four through eight, four through nine, and then at the end of the 2019 season, let me get this exactly right, at the end of the 2019 season... He had rushed four. I'm trying to look for his total. I uh, didn't do this. Didn't calculate it for him quickly enough. He basically was already like a 7,000-yard runner. And then from 2020 to 2022, he's rushed for an additional like 800 yards total. <laughs> it's a fickle world, man. <laughs> you, yeah. you gotta play. You gotta be positive. He's like the best locker room guy Mark Ingram is like in the history of running backs. So, uh... 
you know, life comes at you fast. Basically, got benched for J.K. Dobbins in 2020, right? Wasn't that like, or was that? Yeah, in 2020. Uh, yeah, Ingram, yeah. Uh, and didn't complain about it really. <laughs> and it seems like a lesson there, but. <laughs> All right, so that was uh, the trivia game. I'm going to update Tim's score here. Well done there. And let's turn to the NFL, where there's just a, just a couple of fun, you know, five-minute talking points. Um, <clears throat> DeAndre Hopkins, still not signed. The the quotes for him uh, in media world is that he's not in a rush, and he's taking his time. Went to New England, visited the Patriots. I don't see it. I do not see a DeAndre Hopkins, Bill Belichick, Pairing, I could be wrong. Belichick's done it before with uh, sort of big name players for a year or two, but it just—I don't know—doesn't doesn't seem like it's in the cards. Could he still come back to Baltimore? Who knows? What if Bateman's thing becomes, uh, you know, through the summer? Oh, he, he's still a little little hobbly in uh, in August. Let's get another veteran uh, in the room <laughs> because because why not? Um, but just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on anything with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins and what's going on there. I'm just ready to see who he goes to now. It looked like New England, and then New England fell apart. Tennessee was strongly linked, and then that kind of fell apart. He was he was at a Garth Brooks concert, which probably meant that he left and was like, I don't want to be here ever again. <laughs> um, that's That was mean. Garth Brooks is fine. Um, yeah, I, I just – at this point, I don't care until he signs with a team. But, you know, maybe NFC, you know, over there. Go it over is, there. It is interesting, though, the longer it goes on because you're like – it seemed like so. The reporting was that the he was, seemed like he was ticketed for the Chiefs until the Ravens signed Beckham, uh, and kind of apparently blew apart some a deal the Cardinals potentially had with the Chiefs. Shout out overpaying Odell Beckham. Yeah, yeah. well great, done us yeah, for we, once. We don't God. need DeAndre Hopkins on the Chiefs. <laughs> that would make them better. at like ten million a year. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. Um, so that's good that that fell apart. But but now the longer we go on, it it, it does kind of get like I'm like. Yeah, he's probably not worth the money he wants, but he's also still good. Like, when he played last year, after he came back from his suspension, he was a good player still. Um, So, it's interesting to see. uh, Dalvin Cook, I think we mentioned he was released. He made some waves because... he was talking with Adam Schefter on his podcast, and he, he he made mention of how it would be epic to play. He was like, we could form an epic tandem, and it's like, well... I don't know. Someone has to sign you guys, but you know, it, it is weird to have two players of that caliber just out there, and no one seems to really want them all that bad. They'll find landing spots, um, but it is interesting. Just the longer uh, this drag kind of drags on, and yeah, I'm with you. I don't see the New England fit, but you you do figure the longer it goes on, it does seem like a smart team becomes a, a, a potential player and that's annoying um well it's great the ravens it's us the ravens chase the smart team good late in the a, game a smart team like the pittsburgh steelers or you know the the Bengals or, or the browns uh, teams like that we don't need that we don't need that to happen um like a, a, a nuke uh watson reunion let's not have that that's that's I, I'm going to disagree slightly with Tim because I, I, I don't want to see where he goes if that's like where he goes. <laughs> it's an AFC North thing. Fair. Uh, other small note, and it's just me, and I'm going to be proven wrong, uh, I'm sure, during the season, but I have never seen one person in so many celebrity photos as Aaron Rodgers this offseason, and I'm very excited for their 9-8 and eight year 
um, come back to me, you know, play the clip back to me when they are, you know, whatever and O as we get into October and November. But there's too much chatter. There's too much talk. I'm not buying it. This is like the the Dream Team Eagles or whatever. There was all this chatter, so much talent, uh, and then it just kind of fell apart. And Aaron Rodgers, what is he? Is he 40? Is he 39? Uh, he you got to prove it to me. He turns 40 in December this year. There we He's go. 39. Yeah. Yeah. You got to prove it to me. Um, but I'm kind of done with the photos with him, with actors, models, athletes, Instagram people. He's at every sporting event imaginable. Um so yeah, go go better than five hundred jets, uh, and I will I will eat those words. Does he later want it enough? Sure. People are asking, Antonio. <laughs> New York's gonna eat him up, Chase. You can't. He please. He's been in that cushy Green Bay his whole life. This is gonna be totally different. Yeah. Um, and then the last bit uh, that came out today, um, the NFL, because we talked we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago. So I want to just kind of circle. Circle back on it, uh, if you will, for the work email. Um, The NFL has reinforced gambling rules to its players uh, because they, like us, know that this is a small leak in the dam that is waiting to become a gigantic problem for the league. Uh, So they reemphasized the six, quote-unquote, key rules uh, of a gambling policy to all the players. (laughs) The number one key rule... Don't bet on the NFL. Boy, good words of advice there. Really helpful, really useful. The other five, uh, don't gamble at your team facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. Rule number three, don't have someone bet for you. Number four, don't share team, quote-unquote, inside information. Number five, don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season. Don't even walk in there. We don't even want to see you in there. And then number six, don't play daily fantasy football. Guys, is this going to work? Is this emphasis going to help? Is it going to do anything? Are we going to be eight weeks into the season with another, whatever, quote-unquote scandal of players gambling? Or dare I say, walking into a sports book? I'll just say this. I certainly hope not. Like, I think... I think... The NFL knows how bad this could really get and, like, the severity of this. And I think that's why they've tried to clamp down relatively hard and and nip it in the bud and and send out all the right pressers about how we're really making sure this doesn't happen. But players are always going to screw up. And players are always going to be players. Like, you know, if this happens... I think the over-under on gambling scandals that we have during the regular season is probably at... I'd put it at, like, the over-under at one and a half, and I'd probably take the slight over. Like, I'd probably think we see two. One maybe major, one minor, and then we start to be like, guys, this has to, has to stop. That would be a thing to start paying attention to is if uh, any states are going online with online, ga- like, mobile gambling in, in during the season. Like, if, mm. if like, uh, if, you know, I'm trying to think. Like, if Georgia, they're like, we got gambling on the apps now, and a bunch of Falcons players get, you know, in trouble in, like, October or something. But uh, uh, I do have to say, the only pushback I have on the NFL's rules, I think they're all pretty sound. Um, four is just, they have clearly been violating four, uh, giving inside info to uh, casinos and sports books. Uh, for time immemorial, because there's no way Vegas is not just plugged into the the inside info on who's hurt and the comings and goings of every team, because their lines are they win every week because <laughs> their lines are so good. They clearly have always had inside info, 
Uh, and uh, they will keep having inside info. That's what Vegas's job is. Um, so that one, that one, I don't buy that. That one's getting followed by many people, but uh, the rest of them, I think, are sound uh, are sound rules. <laughs> uh, all right, that's it. That's all we had for NFL. Again, guys, it's June. All right, we will have stuff for you when there's stuff to talk about. So the last thing that we have saved for the end of the episode here is a a very fun, a very great. Ravens story that was sent to us. You'll be shocked to know, uh, listener, that we do not have uh, like an extensive PR team uh, who's just reaching out to the th- players and agents uh, and fans and you know collecting information. So we read this late, I will admit, but we have a great story that was actually emailed to us sometime in May. But I saw it recently, and I wanted to bring it up. And it's, it's great that Tim mentioned uh, earlier in the show the Roquan Smith jersey because it was sent when we were debating Tim's next Ravens jersey. So it's great, and I want to bring it up. I'm going to read it just pretty much verbatim. Uh, and this is from Frankie Kelly, uh, a dear listener of oh, ours. Oh, uh, shout out, Frankie. And Frankie says, uh, says such. I listened to you lament the Roquan switch to number zero for this season and heard your plea for jersey recommendations for your next purchase. Tim, have you purchased a jersey since we talked about it? I have not, so this is still relevant. Yeah, I bought the The Adley Rutschman jersey in this time, but that doesn't count. I'd like to throw new cornerback Q Blue Kelly, number 17, into the ring for consideration. Obviously a homer pick, but you better believe the Kelly boys are hoping he makes the roster and will have the custom jersey website ready to roll. I wanted to share a great story about this fifth-round draft pick. When my wife and I got engaged seven years ago, my parents presented her with a Ravens jersey with Kelly on the back, as she is from Cleveland and was technically a Browns fan. Thanksgiving Christmas with the Cosentino family is always an adventure. The go-to line is that Art Modell is a saint. Really gets him going. Should be a Hall of Famer. Should be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) The number they picked for this custom jersey... Number 17, as we were planning to get married in 2017. Fast forward six years, and the Ravens draft Kelly out of Stanford. She asked, what are the chances that he gets number 17? To which I replied, not likely. (laughs) Sure enough, Kelly got number 17, and my wife is ready to go for the 2023 season with her Kelly number 17 jersey. Only the true fans rock a fifth-round pick rookie. (laughs) Appreciate the show. Keep up the good work. I love that. I love it so much. I had to share it. Uh, It's a really fun story. And boy, would we love cornerback depth. So please, Kelly. (laughs) All the Kellys. Frankie, I will tell you this, man. If Kai Blue Kelly ends up contributing, 17 is my favorite number personally, actually. So if he ends up contributing, I'll hop on the train with my Calvert Hall brother. I I will absolutely do that. That is a great call. thank Thank you so much. Apologies, we got to this very late. I hope you're still listening. Um, you, you know, you, you're like, they, we emailed them in May. Why hasn't they <laughs> haven't gotten back yet? Uh, I, I will, I will personally try and be a bit more diligent checking the messages there because we have asked for them, and, and the fact that you responded was was very, very nice. And thank you for listening. That 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 really does mean a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, a great story, a great email. Uh, if you other listeners have stories like that raven at gmail.com. You know, send them now. We'll read them in September. I was going to say, make them, make them a bit evergreen, because we might get to them a touch late, apparently. 
Um, but yeah, we, we really appreciate you sending that in. And that's that's it. That's the last thing I have to go over, guys. So any final uh, final thoughts here as we quickly round the corner uh, into the end of June and into July? Just yeah, haw. That's all. <laughs> yeah, I hope it's uh, I hope it's a quiet a quiet month. You always you always want just no news for the whole month until training camp is what you want as an NFL fan. Um, and yeah, just looking forward to training camp on the horizon. Um, I'm excited for this season. I genuinely am, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, so, um, I haven't, I, I mean, I'm always looking forward to it, but less so, I will say the last <laughs> two years or so compared to compare, compared to this year. I was just talking to my dad the other day and, uh, we were talking about that 2021 season and how brutal that was to just, when you lose Peters and Gus and JK right before the season and just you enter the season and Ronnie Stanley gets hurt in week one and you just say at one weekend you say this team can't win the Super Bowl or even like compete for anything that stinks this team can compete and I'm excited to watch that so yeah I'm looking forward to the season we're gonna spend uh, the next few weeks trying to convince Jace that he should in fact pick the Ravens to win (laughs) the Super Bowl Uh, even even with Patrick Mahomes still uh, an active NFL player we are going to probably, I'm going to say this now, probably take a few weeks off. I'm looking at the calendar. Two weeks from now is uh, July 4th. So look for us coming in back mid-July um, with some positive things to talk about, some more buzz, and we'll have Jace uh, converted by then uh, to maybe to maybe put some, some future stuff uh, on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl. For Tim Horsey and Jace Evans, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you sometime in July. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.